You're listening to Agile Strength Labs, a weekly podcast dedicated to fitness, living a better life, and a healthy lifestyle. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining in for season one of the Agile Strength Labs podcast. This is episode two. Today's episode is titled Game of Plans, Planning for the Plan. Hope that you are all enjoying the first few weeks of spring. For those of you listening in that are fans of Major League Baseball, the Major League season started a few days ago on March 29th. So it's somewhat fitting to kick off the show with a quote from Yogi Berra about planning. Yogi Berra said, if you don't know where you are going, you'll end up someplace else. It's a funny quote, but while being tongue in cheek, it really does a great job of illustrating how a lack of proper planning can have an adverse impact on reaching a goal. Planning is something that we are associated with all of the time. Planning occurs in our jobs, plans occur in economic development, military campaigns, and professional sports. But sometimes personal planning can be overlooked, especially in regards to fitness and nutrition. But there are huge rewards for getting a plan in place. Before we start to discuss the strategy for setting a plan, some very important things need to be established first. Most important, number one thing. See your doctor before starting any fitness program. Get checked out and make sure that you're healthy and that your doctor is supportive. Next, get a good assessment of where your fitness level is at today. A great way of doing this is to grab a pen and paper and write down the total number of push-ups and sit-ups that you think you can do in 60 seconds. Now set the timer on your phone to 60 seconds and perform both exercises. After you have finished, write down the actual number of how many push-ups and sit-ups you were actually able to complete next to the number of how many you thought you could do. Comparing the two numbers will tell you if the mental picture of where you are physically is above or below where you actually are. And knowing your current fitness level is a major help to level set the expectation for the next phase, which is to set realistic measurable goals to provide long-term vision as this is a crucial stage in the process of creating a plan. This step cannot be conjured up on the fly for it to be successful. It has to be well thought out and written down. As a personal trainer, I noticed that the clients that went through the progression for writing down their goal and having a plan were more successful than clients that did not write down their goals. Writing down a goal and having a plan always leads to a greater chance for success. There were a few studies that were conducted to verify this. There is a well-known Harvard business study that revealed amazing statistics related to goal setting and success, placing the practice of writing a goal as 10 times as more effective than having an unwritten goal. The benefits are clear. Set a goal, devise a plan, and write it down. During my personal training career, I helped my clients create a framework for their plan using something I call minimal criterion principle. The minimal criterion principle is something that I came up with. It's not something that's out there, it's just my thing. But I came up with it 11 years ago, 
and it was during my own transformation journey that I came up with Minimal Criterion. It really helped me set the stage for my plan, and it's been a strong guide for many of my personal training clients. The creation of the Minimal Criterion Principle came about when I was thinking about my fitness plan. The one thing I knew at the time, and it may be common to you as well, was that I wanted fitness to be a regular part of my lifestyle. I thought about why this had not yet happened for me. I was wondering why fitness was something that was this built up thing for me and not a common occurrence for me to do regularly. So I began to think about all the things in life that I do without thinking about it. And then I thought about how long would it take for me to realize that I did not do something common and not doing that one thing was unacceptable to me. For instance, I thought about how long would it take for me to realize that I didn't brush my teeth? Or how long would go before I didn't shower? I mean, not too long. I mean, usually you know that within the first few minutes of waking up. And I thought about, well, how long would it go before it was unacceptable for me to get a haircut? And I was really wondered about my, my grooming and how I was being looked at. Or how much time would go before thinking that too much time had gone by before I responded to an email at work? Right? We think about that all the time, you know, a couple hours, a day or two. What was too long? What was my minimal criterion? I thought about family. What was too long ago without connecting? Or, you know, when was the last time I followed up with friends? How long was too long that I felt it was wrong? And I thought about many of the common things like that that I do on autopilot to determine what my minimal criterion was for fitness. What was the minimum acceptable period? that I apply the common things in life. So I, I thought about these things. I said, what is the minimum amount of days that can pass without exercising before I felt that it was an unacceptable length of time to reach the goal that I set? And also, what is the minimum amount of time that would be acceptable to work out for in each session? When I started my transformation journey 11 years ago, my minimal criteria for fitness was three times a week for 15 minutes. I felt that if I could not work out for at least 15 minutes, three times a week, that was unacceptable. And that was my benchmark, my baseline, my criteria. So for anyone having trouble devising a fitness plan, this strategy can really help because it's customized to the individual. Someone's minimal criteria could be one time a week for five minutes, or it could be four days a week for 30 minutes. What's great is that it provides a starting point to build out a well-laid plan. But having the written goal and plan is just the beginning. You also have to plan for the plan. Yeah, plan for the plan. Yes, you have to plan for the plan so that you can really be successful. Dwight D. Eisenhower is quoted as saying, in preparing for the battle, I have always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. There's some wisdom in that quote. Having the written goal and plan is needed, but to really make sure the plan is successful, thought has to be given on how the plan will be executed and how feasible is it that the plan can succeed after honestly reviewing how the plan will be carried out. Thinking about the minimum criterion that was set for fitness will help with planning. For example, let's say someone is looking to plan out their workout scheduling. The planning would start with the person asking themselves some questions. Will performance be better for morning exercise, the afternoons, late at night, 
what's the best time to even start working out? So let's say the decision was made for this individual to get a workout in during the mornings. And the time associated with their minimum criterion was three times a week for 10 minutes. So now the person has to think a little bit introspectively and say, well, what will be the impact to the 10 minutes of exercise three times a week in my life? Will it require me to get an earlier start in the morning? That's a good question to ask. And think about the things surrounding what involves getting up earlier in the morning. Will it involve maybe getting your clothes and lunch ready from home then prepared the night before on the days that you plan to exercise? Or maybe preparation for activities with children and pets may need to be modified. You may need to marshal some help and say, hey, honey, could you walk the dogs on Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays? Those are days I want to work out. Or maybe say, hey, can you take care of the kids on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Fridays? Because those are the days I want to work out. Or maybe after doing some scenario planning by asking some what if questions and rehearsing possible responses should a certain event or scenario occur, a decision could be made that it's not good to work out in the morning at all. You could reevaluate the whole situation doing some scenario planning and say, well, maybe it's really better if I work out at night. I won't have all of these issues. And that's the whole purpose of this kind of planning is to create mental maps of potential futures and to have plans in place that'll help enable viable and positive responses. And guess what? There's an added bonus to doing this. Thinking about what can derail a plan makes it much less likely for it to occur. There's a knowledge of what may lie ahead that guards against false confidence and removes the shroud of uncertainty by thinking about a different set of potential outcomes that can be encountered in the plan. And then once you do this, extend that planning to everything surrounding your plan. You're planning for meals, for instance. You, you plan for the meals and then you do the planning for the meals, asking basic questions. When will the meals be prepared? At home or from a food vendor? And then continue planning based on the decision. If you decide the meals will be from home, give some thought to, well, how will the meals be made? How much time will be needed to carve out for meal preparation? How much time will be needed to pack up the prepared meals to take when I'm away from home or I want to take a meal to work? Okay, I know some of you might be thinking, I get that there's layers to this whole planning thing, but when does it stop? And the answer is, it doesn't. Let me share my story. It's an interesting story on how fitness changed my life 11 years ago and my thought process around planning for the plan. The story started with a bet made by my wife as we were watching TV. It was a health and fitness show. Dr. Oz was the host, and he took a group of people that were all high risk for high blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes, and for two weeks, he sequestered them and says, you guys can have unlimited food to eat for the next two weeks, but the only food you're gonna eat are raw fruits and vegetables, and for beverages, it's only gonna be water, unsweetened tea or coffee. And after the two weeks of this group performing this, guess what? All of their levels that they were at risk for, they all went to normal. They all lost some weight and some inches and everybody was on a healthier path in just two weeks. So I said, wow, that's great. I really like that. I think, I think I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that two week thing. My wife, she looked at me and she says, no way. She says, I don't even think you could do two hours. And I mean, nobody, 
nobody ever tells me that I can't do something. And especially when I got this coming from my wife. I mean, my wife, she really trusts me. She's always been supportive of everything that I do. But here she was seriously throwing down the gauntlet, pinky bed and all. So it was on. This was not about fitness. This was about self-control with food that started my journey. It was something that was done just to prove a point. You talk about uncovering a motivation. I mean, the fact that my wife was straight up not convinced that it was even remotely possible for me to finish this, well, that motivated the heck out of me. I had the highest level of commitment to seeing this through and actually proving my wife wrong. So I grabbed a pen and a notebook and I started with the planning. I started with addressing with what happens as soon as I left the house and started commuting that next morning because I knew I had a long commute to work. It was over 90 minutes and I knew that the food assault was coming and this is where I was gonna have the most trouble. And the people talking about what do you mean food assault? We are assaulted by food all day long. We pass eateries advertising their food options. There's all kinds of advertisements directed towards us to consume food. And on my route, which, you know, for those living in the tri-state area, took me down Route 17, I passed all of the good spots for fast food. I mean, McDonald's, Burger King. I was good for a sausage and egg burrito from Sonic's at least twice a week. I also drank a lot of coffee with milk and sugar, which are off the menu. And at this time in my life, I couldn't even phantom thinking about coffee without milk or sugar. Unsweetened coffee and tea was not gonna do it for me. So I realized that I was gonna have to just stick to drinking water during the challenge. And I also realized that I needed a plan, a new route to work. My thought process and my planning took me from taking the local roads to taking the highway. I never took the highway before to work due to the cost of the tolls that are incurred by taking the highway. But when I thought about it, the commute would really not cost me more than I was otherwise paying because although now I was paying highway tolls, at the same time, I was no longer stopping at some place spending money on food. So now I felt good about the plan to make it past fast food spots. But just to make sure, I also plan not to listen to the radio and only listen to music on my phone on my drive-in. This way, I would not hear the commercial for the newest, juiciest, and best-tasting burger being advertised, or the new Blizzard Cup at Dairy Queen. Now I felt that my car was a safe haven. And now, you know, I turned my thought process to work, now that I knew that the car was safe. And my office at the time had a very, very nice cafeteria. Really nice salad bar, it was set up great. But knowing myself, I did not want to even go by the cafeteria and have all of those delicious scents of cooking food permeate my nostrils. I was supposed to be eating raw fruits and vegetables only. So I planned to bring my own food to work and eat it at my desk and not go anywhere near the cafeteria. So next move to the step of planning, which was making a list of all the fruits and vegetables that I liked eating. Because I knew I would not make it through this challenge if I ate stuff I did not like. So since this was all I was going to be eating for the next two weeks, I made a list for the veggies. I didn't think about which ones too much that I may like raw. But, you know, I put a couple on there. It was a short list, but initially my list was mostly fruits. But I planned to make sure that I had one of those items on the list with me at all times. So if I ever got hungry, 
I would have an approved item with me. And then I planned for the coup de gras. I took this one step deeper with the planning, which was I planned for the mindset needed to finish this off because I, I, I had to think about and imagine what in the world could prompt me to only eat fruits and veggies raw. I mean, I'm a foodie. And I was like, how am I going to do this? So I got to thinking, what if I was marooned on a deserted island and all there was to eat was naturally growing fruits and vegetables with a pure water source? Could I make it two weeks before being rescued? And I was like, oh, yeah, I could do that. I could really do that. So the next morning on my way to work, I'm on with my list of fruits and veggies and my one man on an island mindset and I hit the road. Made a stop at the supermarket on the way in and started my two week challenge. And over those two weeks, I ate bananas with broccoli. I had salads with mustard greens and beets. And I discovered a liking for some new vegetables that I didn't think I would ever like. I even flavored some of my water with fruit to make things interesting. This challenge was one of the most mentally difficult things I've ever done in my life. But I made it through. I proved my wife wrong, which made me happy. And also, my wife had a new respect for me because she saw how hard I was working on this. And over the two-week period, I dropped four inches off my waistline. And that success is what propelled me to start my transformation. And I'm not sure if I could have ever made it if I did not start by planning for the plan. I mean, I could have easily packed it in after a few days, but having a goal, having a plan, having a plan for the plan set me up to be successful. So let's recap the steps for game of plans and setting up a plan for the plan. Number one, see your doctor, get checked out, assess your fitness level. See where you're at so you know where you're going. Set a goal. Write it down. Establish your minimum criterion. Then plan on executing your minimum criterion. Thinking about how you're going to incorporate the minimum criterion into your life. And then plan for your plan. Dig into the weeds with the honest approach to your individual situation to figure it all out. And then execute the plan. I'm sure you guys are all going to be successful on your path and journey. Thanks again for joining for another edition of Agile Strength Labs. Visit us at agilestrengthlabs.com. Check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Podbean. Once I get up, I can't get down. Once I get up, I can't get down.